Good morning. My name is Rob Daniels, and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 39 of 2023 and show number 1,197, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we conclude September with a celebration of the 25th anniversary of the X-Files film Fight the Future. Now, Joining me this week is my co-host, Robbie Sims. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thank you, good sir. Appreciate it. I am so excited to be here. I cannot wait to delve into this movie and its music. All right. Well, 1993 saw the premiere of the X-Files TV series. It was almost an immediate hit and propelled its leads into superstardom. But more on that next week. Five seasons into the series and the jump to the big screen was inevitable. The story takes place between Seasons 5, Episode The End, and Season 6, Episode The Beginning of the TV series, and is based upon the series' extraterrestrial mythology. The story follows Agents Mulder and Scully, moved, removed rather from their usual jobs on the X-Files, as the, the in-show X-Files has been shut down. Investigating the bombing of a building and its destruction of criminal evidence what they eventually uncover is what appears to be a government conspiracy attempting to hide the truth about alien colonization. Well, I remember going into this um, movie in particular with a very big um, enthusiasm. I was hugely into the show at that time and just loved it. And I remember seeing it with like a, a bunch of friends and it was just, I remember just being wondering where they were going to go because the thing is, is that there had to be some, um, inkling of the series, but they also had to, I won't say dumb it down, but they had to make it so that the Joe and Jane, uh, moviegoer could still follow what was going on in the film. Um, I saw it in the theater, Robbie, where did you first see it? Well, believe it or not, this is how I became a fan of the X-Files was through this movie. Oh. I had I had barely seen a handful of episodes, maybe, and I went to Blockbuster Video and I looked at the back of the cover and I was like, okay, I have to watch this movie. And like you just said, which I love, it, I didn't understand everything, but I could follow the story right. and I loved it so much that I became a fan and the rest, as they say, is history. Okay. So now, um, as you said, you, you weren't a fan of the series. So how did you, like you said, uh, have, have, did you watch, um, the series? Did you, did you watch a few episodes of the series or would you just, did you go in just completely cold? I think you could probably say I went in completely cold because okay. all I remember of the, the shows that I did watch were mostly like the one-off episodes. They weren't ah. really about the conspiracy. So when I go into the movie or watch this movie and I see all this stuff and I'm like, what is this? And I don't fully understand, but I know enough to like, I want to know what the heck's going on. Right. Right. So now for me, and I'll get it, get in more into this next week because, well, I keep 
referring to next week, but next week is actually going to be Halloween Horror Month, and next week is is going to be the 30th anniversary of the show. So we're talking about the 25th anniversary of the first movie. Now we're going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of the show next week. So that's going to be pretty cool. In any case, uh, creator Chris Carter decided to make a feature film to explore the show's mythology on a wider scale and appeal to non-fans. Now, he wrote the story with uh, Frank Spotsnitz at the end of 1996 and with a sizable budget of, you said, what, $66 million? $66 million. Uh, From 20th Century Fox, filming began in 1997, following the end of the show's fourth season. Now, they assembled uh, cast, such as series regulars, and including other well-known actors such as Blythe Danner, and Martin Landau. Now, the film went into production on what they termed Project Blackwood. And I have something here where Chris Carter explains some of the stuff. The method, as they called it, though it was more so a germline procedure of singular metascientific complexity, had been given to them by the alien colonists as a quid pro quo. The syndicate would help them to create a population of alien hybrids who would hide in plain sight, cloned from human ova and alien biomaterial. So there would be a clone race immune to the effects of the black oil when the return to the planet began. For this, the syndicate would be sequestered, granted a sort of immunity or asylum, given a place in the grander scheme. They were the Vichy government to the German final solution, collaborationists whose motivation was simple, self-directed survival. These cloning operations were spread across the country, the cataloging and record-keeping done through a complex intra-institutional system that connected to every branch of government from the Social Security Administration to the Department of Defense. The operation, under the working title Purity Control, had been launched in 1948, its original conception the brainchild of German scientists given immunity themselves from war crimes and allowed to continue the eugenic experiments that were Hitler's dark legacy. The syndicate had begun as a subset of a shadow intelligence agency whose original orders were to create plausible denial and an effective cover-up of purity control. But through 50 years, numerous U.S. and U.N. administrations, the principles began to wrest control, accumulating power and influence across international borders. Such that by 1990, the operation ceased to have a member accountable to any one government, and whose only orders would be taken from a man named Struckhold, a German industrialist who had fled his homeland to northern Africa. These men, whose knowledge and access provided control of a foreseeable future, had in spite of this everything to lose. Their secret work, the cloning preparations, and the cataloging constituted their greatest vulnerability, exposure. Their detection would ensure not just their own demise, but a far-reaching dissolution of social and religious order around the globe. To protect against this, the syndicate employed methods of disinformation, using covert government programs that had been regrettably discovered as a kind of smokescreen, a dodge or blind where the transgressions of Congress accountable agencies served to hide their own more odious undertaking. They had even at times used the UFO phenomenon to create an hysteria that science and the intelligentsia denounced so completely as to make belief and believers seem ridiculous and completely discreditable. They had also, in a crisis, used a tool of the colonists themselves, alien bounty hunters who policed the cloning operations and enforced rule on the countdown to colonization, a double-edged sword whose cold-blooded tactics could help to stem a leak or threat, but who also kept watch on the syndicate. 
A threat in itself, as the Syndicate had something to hide that not even the colonists knew of. A vaccine against the black oil. An inoculant against the substance in which the alien life force was held. In fact, the very medium of the life force itself. To guard this secret was perhaps even more critical than the truth of the existence of alien life and of colonization. If the Syndicate's own secret vaccine were discovered, a vaccine that would make themselves immune from the effects of the black oil, they would certainly be destroyed and the timetable for colonization stepped up. They would protect this secret with their lives. They would kill to protect it, as it symbolized the only hope they had of avoiding enslavement when the planet was overtaken. That they had been able to, over decades, conduct their work on the vaccine undetected was a result of a code among the Syndicate members that put honor and the future above personal politics. But now this code was beginning to break down, an incipient scramble for power beginning to develop, a threat from within that doubled the threat from without, from Agents Mulder and Scully and the X-Files. Now, if you have the song album, on the end of the song album, after the Dust Brothers version of the X-Files theme, you wait about 10 minutes and that little message pops up that uh, Chris, yeah, really, Robbie. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, the end of the song album. Okay. So, I'll yeah, I was, I, I, discovered it by accident one day i was um it was going through and i was listening to the x-files theme and i just let the cd go and then all of a sudden i start hearing chris carter talking about the uh the uh the conspiracy and i was like okay this is not unusual for um the series music um because if you have the key uh songs in the key of x there are two hidden tracks on the soundtrack that are are on the album. The thing is, you have to have a um, CD player that goes backwards. If you play the first track on the on the album and then rewind, you find two hidden tracks of x-files uh, uh remixes of the x-files theme it's really actually rather interesting but yeah we'll get into more i'll get into more of that next week but yeah this was an an, an interesting little discovery on the uh, uh on that particular album i was completely floored and then like i said um it was pretty cool to be able to find that and i was unaware that um that that was there for years. And then suddenly, like I said, I was listening to it and then all of a sudden all it just popped up. So yeah, what we're going to do, Mark Snow, the uh, composer on the series continued his role as X-Files composer to write the score on the series or from on the film, the score and song album were initially released on the Electra label. The score was later remastered and expanded and released on the La La Land Records label. So what you'll be hearing today is from the Electra Song album and the La La Land score album. So here is some music from The X-Files, Fight the Future, with music by Mark Snow.
And with a little bit of music from the 1998 film, The X-Files, Fight the Future. That's music by Mark Snow. Now, we'll be getting back to that in a little bit. But uh, before I do, if you are interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where the show will appear in about a number of hours' time. And also, there's going to be uh, Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices where you can find the show. And you can also find me on um, Apple Music or many of the other podcatchers that are out there. So welcome back to Visions and Sound. As this week, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the X-Files movie Fight the Future. Now, as mentioned before, two soundtracks, the X-Files original motion picture score and the X-Files the album, were both released to home markets in 1998. The X-Files album included a take on the original theme song done by American duo the Dust Brothers. And as you heard off the beginning of the show, or very very near to the beginning of the show, it included a hidden track on which Chris Carter details a summary of the X-Files mythology. So, yeah. Um, did you, uh, the, the, this is, this is the question and Rob and, and joining me, sorry, joining me on this week's show is, is Robbie Sims, a, uh, a longtime fan of the show. And it's, it's, and, and, and a, 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 a frequent co-host. So you had, you are a perfect example. You had approached this, the X-Files film, not having seen the series. So what did you, what were your what was your take on all of that? Well, that is actually a really good question because um, it was such a it was such a daunting task because I I read the back cover and I was like okay I've got to watch this but I knew that there was like four or five seasons of stuff that I I didn't see right. how was I going to follow the movie and um, so to me it was a daunting task and all I remember is like turning up the volume, being like, pay attention to every single word and try to understand it as best you could. And I just, I, I, I understood enough of it that I could follow from beginning to end. And I loved it so much that I wanted to understand what I didn't understand. And so right. from there, I mean, literally, I, I, every weekend, tape two episodes Saturday, two episodes Sunday, and the brand new episode after the two reruns. I was literally taping five episodes a week to catch up. So now where, where did you see it? Um, what, what I saw it at home, believe it or not. I, I serious. I went into blockbuster video and I'm looking around and you remember how blockbuster used to be. The new releases had that big yep. section where there was like a hundred copies and you just hope that there's one copy there. I wasn't even looking to buy that. I was looking to buy something else and right. I, I'm walking along the wall. I saw it and I was, and I kept telling myself, walk on, because you can't watch it. You don't know what's going on. And for some reason, I picked it up. I read the back, and I was like, I have got to watch this movie. And yep. that's and that's that's how it started, literally. I grabbed a copy. I don't even know if I rented anything else. I went to the front, I bought it, and I took it home, and I watched it right mm-hmm. then and there. Yeah, so um, I, I'm, I'm going to get into this next week, as I, as I mentioned, because I'm actually going to be doing the 30th anniversary of the series next week. So as we go so into cool. Halloween Horror Month, and I'm really looking forward to talking about the series. But as you mentioned, the film itself was 
a, I, I honestly think a, a, a natural evolution for the series. I mean, most, most series either come from a, a movie or go to the movies. And the, in this case, it was nice to see the uh, Mulder and Scully on the big screen. And I mean, there was, there was talk that this could have been the last of the, of the X-Files because the, 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 the series, the, the series five finale was called the end. And so it was, it was very, uh, uh, so we didn't, you didn't know, you didn't know at the time that whether or not they were a, they were going to come back or B, you know, uh, if, if the, if this, if they were going to move into movies, very, very similar to what the Star Trek films did. And they did end up doing two movies and we, and I, I have discussed the, uh, I want to believe movie, um, in, in a previous, in, in previous shows. But yeah, for me, this is this, it's the kind of film that I'm glad that you don't necessarily have to have seen the, the, the series to understand. I mean, there are, there are certainly obvious things about the, um, the series or or about the film that you would only catch if you were a fan of the series. Hence the, the, the three, the three guys who, who are standing over Mulder when he wakes up in the hospital, it's the lone gunman and that's their, that's their, their cameo in the entire, in the entire film. But it's, it's always nice to, to see those guys. And those were a recurring, uh, recurring group of, of characters that showed up and they actually got their own series, which I think was kind of, was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, um, Mark Snow, who had worked on the television series as a composer was hired to score the film. Now, as we, we've kind of mentioned, Chris Carter wanted a very minimal approach to the music. He did not want much melody and wanted to replace it with plain ambient atmosphere and sound design. Snow mixed electronic music with an 85 member orchestra to give the film a sense of scope and grandeur. Now, when creating music for the film, Snow had a couple of months to write and produce the music, composing the television series simultaneously. The film marked the first time in history of the franchise that music composed and recorded with the help of an orchestra. Although Snow, rather according to Snow, there was no significant change in the recording and writing process during the production of the film. The most substantial difference was that Snow used MIDI files to save his musical scores and pieces, which would be afterwards sent to a copyist who would take it through one of their programs and eventually give it to the orchestrators. So we're going to continue with a little bit more music from the X-Files Fight the Future uh, with music by, the, like I said, the aforementioned Mark Snow, who honestly surprised a lot of people who thought he was just a television composer. And when you hear this expansive score, it's, um, it's amazing. So here, like I said, is more music from Mark Snow's The X-Files Movie.
Join the Food Bank of Waterloo Region for its annual Harvest Food Drive on Saturday, September 30th from noon to four. For one day only, the Food Bank is accepting store-bought produce at all Sobeys and Zares locations in Kitchener-Waterloo. Carrots, onions and potatoes are some of the fresh items needed this year. Buy an item for a hungry neighbour in need and drop it off in the store's donation bin. Visit thefoodbank.ca for details. 98.5 CKWR
second of my life Not knowing if it's true Make believe in nothing It's all I want of you Whisper me the secret
And with a little bit of music from the 1998 film X-Files, Fight the Future. With That's music by Mark Snow. So if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on the website visionsinsound.ca, where the show will appear in about a few hours' time. And you can also find me on various podcatchers, but you also can find me on GoodPods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type device, or like I said, other podcatchers, including Apple Music. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the X-Files film, Fight the Future. Now, as we discussed before, Robbie, and oh, by the way, Robbie Sims is my guest on this week's show. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Robbie. Thanks, sir. Yeah, no. Excited. Yeah. So, Chris, as we discussed before, Chris Carter originally wanted to end the television series after the fifth season and continue the show's mythology with a series of films beginning with this one. The Fox Network, however, saw the series as too profitable and forced Carter to write this film as a tie-in between the two seasons of the show, a task which he found very daunting. The film, shot in 10 weeks during the hiatus between seasons 4 and 5 of the show, uh, reshoots were also undertaken during production of season 5, which is why either Mulder or Scully are featured less prominently in some of the episodes which were made that year. Now, there's a scene... Very interesting scene, and I'm sure you've, you you remember this one. After consuming a fair amount of alcohol and finding the bar's bathroom out of order, Mulder relieves himself on a movie poster for Independence Day. A line in Independence Day spoken just after the first shot of the cable station is, yeah, I love X-Files too, I hope I get to see it. However, the feeling was not mutual, as Chris Carter apparently loathed the film and had Mulder pee all over the film's poster to express his disdain for the film. The film was originally aired on television on Fox on September 14th, 2000, or was originally scheduled to be uh, to air on Fox on September 14th, 2001, but was pulled following the September 11th attacks, which happened three days prior to schedule airing for obvious reasons. If you've seen the film, then you know what we're talking about. So, yeah, we, we have been going through this uh, and discussing and kind of geeking out about the entire process of, of the film. So what do you think is the lasting legacy for this, this film of, the, uh, of X-Files Fight the Future? What do you think? Uh, um, wh- what do you think it's, where its impact lies, especially in, in light of the series and, 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 and the, yeah, where it lies within the series, where it lies within the series. Ooh, that, that, ooh that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, ooh, if I had to, if I had to say, I, I think it, it, it just goes hand in hand with the series. In other words, right. if you have dynamic characters, if you have a great story, you can, movies like that still exist. You know, we talk about how, you know, Hollywood running out of movie movie ideas, running out of TV ideas. You look back, that kind of stuff can be done. You can you can write these kind of stories. You can write these kind of characters. Right. You, know, you and I talked about how there were characters you loved a lot, and then mm-hmm. there were characters you hated a yes. lot. Because and you so love well to written. hate them. 
and you love to hate them. Yes, <laughs> because that's because that's good writing. And I yes. think that is where its legacy is going to be made. Uh, and that's why, to be honest, it was 10 seasons. And then after how many years? Yeah, they brought up a six part miniseries and then they do another season because it had that kind of lasting impact on people. You right. know, that kind of writing and that kind of storyline and those kind of characters yeah. They make an impact on you. Right. And, and I think that's where, where the success of the show lies as well. And the movies is the fact that, that good characters and well-written characters can really draw you in to a, to a series. And it was because of this that you became a fan of the X-Files series through the film, which I think is really cool. Well, we're, believe it or not, we're getting really close to the end of the show. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to uh, play a bit more music from the series um, with uh, some of Mark Snow's music, more of Mark Snow's music, rather, from the the score to X-Files, Fight the Future, here as we celebrate 25 years of the movie.
Well, that time just flies on by, doesn't it, Robbie? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, that's all for us this week. Uh, thanks for hanging in, those that did. So now, as we continue into 2023, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. And I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247, and here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. So join me next week as we kick off Halloween Horror Month with another look at, this time, the 30th anniversary of the X-Files series proper. I want to thank you again, Robbie, for being on the show. Your contributions are always welcome. And hopefully we'll have something coming up in the future where you'll be on the show. So thanks again, sir. You're very welcome, sir. I'm looking forward to next time. All right. Well, I'll end off this week's show with some more music from the X-Files Fight the Future. And I'll be back next week with more Visions in Sound.
what is the explanation? Who knows?